sweet of him. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. It's a worldwide phenomenon. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. Zencaster is a modern web-based solution for high-quality audio and video podcast production. With a full suite of professional tools, Zencaster allows podcasters to quickly and seamlessly record their guests remotely and produce their podcasts in studio quality. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and in amongst the lull after the UAP task force report, we seem to have had a little uptick in news in the last week that's kind of just crept up on us. So Dan, how are we doing? I'm uh, I'm great, thank you. Um, as always in the in the lulls, it's a little bit restless, but you know, they, there's been some cool news this week and we're here to kind of chew through it. And also, you've got a catchphrase officially now. Um, I as do, yeah. On your fan art, do you want to say your catchphrase for your fans, Dan? <clears throat> I was on mute. Yeah, there you go. So we'll be <laughs> selling that MP3 for um, forty nine ninety nine. That'll be in your local currency. <laughs> no, we won't. We won't. Um, but yeah, uh, it was nice. We got some fan art sent over for the podcast. Is it from Ziminin? Am, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I think so. I'm sure it was Ziminin on Twitter. You can check out. We did retweet it, but they put a cool... Um, and I, I didn't actually notice it at first, but it's got Dan at the bottom saying, you know, I was on mute. So <laughs> we really appreciated that. Thank you very much. And for, it's, for, it's a for cool anyway. bit of artwork as well, because it was the yeah. UFOs over the skate park. And I said to Andy, I, I kind of grew up around a skate park, inline skater. Uh, I broke my wrist doing it. Um, so yeah, that, that was a cool little connection for me. I grew so, up you. wishing I uh, was brave enough to to do things like skateboarding or inline skating or anything like that. So I, I bet you didn't break your wrist though. Um, I broke my thumb playing golf once. I, I mean, that's that's fairly uh, fairly epic. It's fairly <laughs> tragic. That's what it is. But that's for another day. Listen, um, like we we said recently, there's been a bit of a lull after the task force report, and it's been a month, and the dust seemed to have settled, and not a whole lot was happening, which is perfectly normal, perfectly natural. But over the last couple of days, or, or less than a week, it just seems to be that there's been a steady stream of news. So we've got a few things to tackle here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more on the Travis Walton hoax issue. Um, not calling it a hoax, but that's you know the, the topic at the moment. That's still ongoing. Um, a little bit on Lou Elizondo on Jimmy Church's Forbidden Disclosure Conference. Uh, some stuff came out of that recently, which is which is interesting and. Even something I hadn't picked up on, Dan, you kind of picked me up on just before, which we're going to talk about. The trailer for the new J.J. Abrams UFO documentary is released, and that's due out in a week or two. Lens Black flares Vault. and UFOs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, Black Vault, NASA being briefed by the UAP task force, that dropped last night. And James Fox was also on Jimmy Church last night. Just a caveat on that. J- James Fox is still doing the interview with me. 
It's going to be next week now. You might have heard he was on uh, Jimmy Church last night. He is holidaying with his family right now. I could have spoken to James today. He's with his family, though, having a break. I've left him to it, and I've told him we will definitely do it next week. I've got Stephen Green Street anyway tomorrow, which will be Friday the 23rd of July. That'll be this week's interview. So um, I just want to give James the time for, for next week. So that, that, that was it, folks. But that interview is still definitely happening. But let's uh, go first off then with something we talked about on the last update, Dan, is the Travis Walton potential hoax. Now, Mike Rogers had come out and there was a whole odd situation with this, wasn't there? Around a phone call being recorded, him saying that it was all a hoax and to do with you know movie rights, but then it went away. It was a bit muddled looking. And even you said at the time that it seemed to be a kind of non-story. Um, however, it still seems to have kind of kept up in the news to the point that Travis Walton hopefully will clear some stuff up this Monday. He's going to be appearing again on, on Jimmy Church. What, what are your thoughts on the situation? Has anything changed for you in the last week or two? To be honest, not really. I'm curious what Travis is going to say, but the the kind of method described with which the, the hoax would have taken place is a bit a bit outlandish. You know, a lot of people would have had to be fooled. Um, and, eh, you know, it's it's just a story years and years and years and years after the fact. Um, the, the lie detector test still stand, the investigations still stand. Y- you know, there, there's a lot that would have had to have gone wrong for them not, to not figure out the hoax as it's explained. It's, it's a little bit like the Rendlesham stuff when I spoke, spoke to Dr. David Clark and he goes very much with a terrestrial hypothesis that it was the lighthouse and it was this coming through the trees and it was just confusion and a whole lot has to work for for something like that to happen. And it's the same with the Travis Walton incident that I just, and I know it's some, some good people who are, are trying to do some honest work with the, the investigation now, but I, I still don't see this, this being a hoax all this time later. Interestingly, um, people can jump on a lot of things, and I'm guilty of this at time as well, right? I think we all are. Without really digging into the background, someone posted Travis Walton's net worth at being $7 million from the interweb. Okay, now, contrary to popular beliefs, there are some mistruths on the internet. It's not always 100% accurate. Um, now, Travis Walton may have a bank account of $7 million. He has had quite an interesting life after the incident you know we can't say that there hasn't been movies and tv shows and book deals and conferences travis walton will have made some financial you know comeback on what happened you would expect that whether you think that's right or wrong that's up to you but that has happened now the seven million dollars was just plucked off the internet no one knows if that's right or not but then someone quite rightly posted his actual net worth is ranged between $100,000 and $7 million. Now, that's a massive range, Dan. That's like asking me, how much is in my bank right now? £10 or £1,000? It could be between that, yes. I get it's a bigger range, but I don't think it really matters. It's just because he's made money doesn't mean what happened didn't happen. And I'm just going to ask you, right, Dan, do you believe the Travis Walton case happened as was told? Um, I believe that Travis believes that happened. Um, what oh, that's, that's a different answer. That's is, not a yes. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I trust. I've got no reason not to trust Travis. 
Um, I'm a little biased on this one, so I kind of have to play it coy because I'm really aware of that. It, it, you know, Fire in the Sky was one of the first UFO things I came across. Um, so I'm, you know, de- deeply fond and formed by the the thing. Um, so, I mean, in light of everything that happened, I, I have no reason to to doubt it. I'm just going to check, though, because you did give uh, a politician's answer there, Dan, that you have no reason to doubt that he believes it happened. Now, when you say that, that can be a nice way of saying he may think it happened, but there's a chance it didn't. It's it's more... The reason I say that is just because I know that these things play with consciousness. So whilst Travis might have experienced going into a ship and you know going up and seeing these humanoid beings, um, it might have all been in his head in a you know really weird timey wimey experience. So I only say that just to leave room for stuff like that. Less uh, less That's about leaving him. <laughs> but but whether a whether a physical or non physical experience, you believe something extraterrestrial, something and non anomalous happened. Something anomalous for sure. happened. Okay, cool. Just to clear that one up, no doubt there'll be people looking going, hmm, is Dan suspicious of this one? So listen, like you say, we've heard this story come out decades after the actual story. Of course, there's always going to be money involved with it. There's rumours that Mike was involved in potentially getting a cut of movie rights and all that kind of stuff, and money always muddies the water. Um, since Dan moved into his new mansion from all the patches he's maybe sold, he's changed, you know. Maybe Mike wanted to do motion capture like Andy Circus for, for the aliens, you know. <laughs> Yeah, some sort of creative differences with it has is, is come up. But listen, um, whether you like Jimmy Church or not, he has had a good run of guests recently. He um, has Travis Walton on this Monday. That's great. And it's a chance for Travis to come out and talk on it as well. So hopefully Travis speaks well. He doesn't get defensive about it. And it would just be good to hear his side of the story. And you you just want to hear that that balancing balancing act with it as well. So interesting to see what happens come Monday that's a Monday the 20 pause for thought 26th of July that'll be on a fade to black so make sure you check that one out next up uh, we'll, we'll keep on fade to black and there's a bit of a Jimmy Church team throughout some of the news he's, he's got himself at the center of this lucky him um, he had his forbidden forbidden disclosure conference with um, a few well-known names, some controversial names, depending on what you look for in this topic and subject. But Lou Elizondo was front and centre of that conference. Um, do you think, Dan, that Jimmy Church is starting to be Lou Elizondo's go-to podcast for news? Because he certainly seems to be getting quite friendly with Jimmy. And there's a lot of texting goes on during the show, potentially. And, and Lou seems quite comfortable with Jimmy himself. Yeah, I, I think there's a relationship that's formed there that we don't see a lot of. You know, by that I mean they probably talk a lot when he's off the air and just via text and stuff. There, there's certainly like a, a chummy rapport there, isn't there? There were a few jokes and things like that about Chris Mallon texting him and saying that he could break his NDA and stuff. Um, but it, it is nice to see because Jimmy's been really critical of Lou in the past. And no matter what people think about that i think this is a better place for them to be you know Jim, jimmy can ask lou this stuff directly instead of saying it on social media like a teenage girl you know absolutely there's a lot of vying for position within the the ufo community and especially those with um podcasts and youtube channels and personalities and 
a lot of new people that have to hold my hand up and say, you know, we are part of that, Dan, from the last year. We, we've kind of come on the scene with a, a medium, like a podcast. I'm just going to correct myself from teenage girl to teenage, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to. <laughs> that's that's quite right to do that, Dan. Yeah, you're right. Um, but like you say, there's, like I was saying, there's a lot of new mediums come on and people in part maybe jockeying for position and some people may be quite protective of the place they have within the community. I think we're in a very good place where we, we kind of stand alone. We're not aligned to anyone else's podcasts, and we, we don't sort of pick and choose our sides. We're, we're quite happy being very independent and open to everyone's ideas and places, and you do see that with some channels and whatnot where it's the same kind of people going back and forward, interacting, and it's perfectly natural for them to have have groups as such and that that develops in any walk of society and the the ufo community is no different so it's it's fair that jimmy church is, is one of the biggest names within this community still and he holds a place which which lou elizondo seems to have gravitated towards he's got one hundred and two thousand youtube subscribers um it's it's a good place for lou to get his information out there as well so that's that's good to see and my point being there that They've formed a relationship, even though in the past Jimmy Church had a lot of negative comments to make towards Lou and his past and the background, but some of that's maybe playing to the character of Jimmy Church. And I don't mean his personal character, but he plays up to who Jimmy Church is as a personality on the air, which again happens over time and and that's just, just his presence and being. And that, that happens a lot in, in various walks of life as well. So it's good to see they do communicate and that is going well. Um I, I always like to see it as kind of a, a a misplaced expression of passion instead that's, of thinking of it as anger, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> I very feel like that's healthier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's very diplomatic. And But like I say, it goes on with anything, and that, that's totally fair and, and totally normal. I like the place we're in, the way we can kind of sit back and be neutral and just enjoy all the content as, as we do. Um, but yeah, well, something that really stood out to me, though, was some of the comments on the recent Jeremy Corbell video releases now jeremy corbell and george knapp seem to be two people who have formed a relationship as well when it comes to this topic recently um we know there are other people who have their own groups and clicks like i mentioned jeremy corbell and george knapp have released some videos to mixed reception i would say jeremy corbell seems to be the face of it and has very much courted the the limelight that may come along with it and he likes to be the face of it. He likes to be out there on TMZ and different news shows and really be the public and mainstream face. But again, he, that's his personality and he, he likes that front and centre aspect aspect of this, that especially with UFOs having a mainstream popularity, there is a place for, I suppose, at the moment, and he's just trying to solidify that. The videos were met with a mixed reception, um, especially the pyramid ufos and i said straight off the bat i was wary of the pyramid shape description because from the video you can't see anything necessarily pyramid like um obviously it's the video that mick west and others described as being bokeh on the camera um at a glance and maybe without the full context dan which i'll bring you in on uh lou seemed to get at the videos not being as spectacular as first thought um by by some but you feel that the piece that's being kind of passed about online via uh, Twitter and other social media channels is being taken a little bit out of context. Would you say that's right? Yeah, I think so. You know, in that portion, they're, they're talking about 
a bunch of different things. And Lou afterwards does go on to talk about the those videos as as an anomalous thing. So I think maybe the I don't know it it feels a bit out of context to me when I listened back to it. It felt more like Lou was saying, "Hey, look, you know, if that was a plane, we wouldn't be interested in it." Do you think that as an element of Lou not liking the fact that it's coming through Corbell as a source? Now, Chris Mellon, I think, has mentioned this in the past about certain videos and chains of custody and who they come out from. Do you think there's an element of some of these people would rather these videos didn't come out via the channels that they are through Jeremy Corbell? Yeah, I think so. Um, not in a dramatic way, but just mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a perfect world, they they would wish for a chain of custody there. Um, but Jeremy's always been very clear that he's he's less releasing these to the public and more releasing these to the Pentagon and trying to kind of get that stovepipe uh, from the um, from the maritime operations folk over to the UAPTF uh, formed properly and functional. Do you believe that? Now, I'm, I'm going to say here, I think there's an element of this where Jeremy likes the fact that he is the person involved, that his name gets attached to this that when it's on TMZ, when it's on Fox News, CNN, whichever channel it's on, it's got his little Twitter handle in the corner. It's got his Instagram logo. I think he likes that. I think when it's a Chris Mellon, a Lou Elizondo, or whoever, they're quite happy for these things to be out there without them necessarily having to be attached to it. Yeah, I, I think there's certainly an aspect of that. You, you know, there's always always kind of two types of people in the community. Those that, you know, really want that credit tag and those that are kind of like, ah, oh, well, you know, that's a shame, but whatever. Um, I'm glad it's out there. Um, and both are perfectly fine ways to be. Um, I guess it's a politician's answer again. <laughs> it is, yeah. Unless I suppose that's the, the difference for me between Knapp and Corbell, where we know, and we've talked about this before, that George Knapp, could have broken the New York Times piece in 2017 before the New York Times. He chose not to, knowing the New York Times was a bigger vessel to get the story out and keep the ball rolling. Um, I think, just personal opinion, if Jeremy Corbell was in the same situation, he would have broken the story. And it would have been him. Just for example, like when Joe Rogan announces Bob Lazar is going to be on his podcast and it becomes Bob Lazar and Friend, yeah, they, there are certain places in in interviews for sure that I wish there was less other people in the room. Uh, <laughs> um, I, mean, I, was, I mean, I mean, I yeah, I mean, you're you're right. There, there's a certain with, with certain people in the community. There's a certain aspect of ego there, um, and you know, you can go back and you can watch Jeremy's martial arts videos online, the quantum <laughs> jujitsu, and see that they're sped up in certain places. So he, he certainly knows how to play to an audience. And dude's a dude's a filmmaker and a storyteller. And uh, I get that that's the lens that he sees the world through. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but do you know what? He's he's playing his part. And I would rather we had a Jeremy Corbell than we didn't have a Jeremy Corbell. So that's that's a good place, I think. Well, what, what would we rather, Jeremy Corbell or Third Phase of the Moon? It's fairly obvious choice, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and there's a long list of Third Phase of the Moon types as well that yeah. you could go on with. So yeah, no, fair point, Dan, very fair point. That's why I get you on here, to keep it grounded. Um, listen, next up, short one, the trailer for J.J. Abrams' documentary about UFOs. Uh, she's going to be on HBO Max in the US, I believe. 
Yeah, um, I think so. It'll be on uh, on Plex over here. Uh, great, that's good to know, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I'll be able to watch that at the time as well. Eighth um, of August, I believe, is the date. What are your thoughts on the trailer, Dan? Can I just tell you first before you come in, just so this is totally unbiased, okay? And Dan and I haven't discussed this before. We talk, but some some of this stuff we try and not discuss it beforehand, so it's not tainted and the conversation's genuine, folks. I know people appreciate that, and that's why it can come across a bit, you know, unscripted as it is. Um, well, it's unscripted. Uh, I straight away, within two or three seconds, went oh, when I watched the trailer when I saw some of that footage at the start of it. Was it the Jerusalem footage? Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Um, I'm not holding my breath that it's going to be presented in that context in in the actual series. You know, it could just be a series of these were hoaxes that we found and yes. the person who's cut the trailer has taken that bit out because it is. It's a dramatic piece of footage that's cool as hell. It's just a shame that it's not real, you know? That that was put to me on uh, by one of the listeners online where they mentioned that they hope, as part of a four-part series, they do sort of debunk or point out how good some of the hoax footage can be, and that's why that's there. Still, though, it's a slight miss-sell on their part to put that straight in at the start. Yeah, I I would say again it's a filmmaker thing and a storyteller thing like Creative you license. you want to you want to hit people hard with some images and really grab them and that's what a trailer's about and like I say that it's a shame that footage is fake because it, it it's amazing footage. Um and someone that's not familiar with the subject is going to you know it'll rope them in. Not not everything we see in the trailer is always in the main documentary either, so it remains to be seen. It, it's kind of for me, it's like judging, you know, Black Panther two by the title Black Panther two. It, it's mm. you know, we 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 need to to wait to see the actual thing, and we'll see the context that is presented in properly, and then we can all get angry about it. Oh, sorry, <clears throat> passionate, passionate. <laughs> I am. Um, I was thinking about this the last few days, and as the argument's been going on now for a while about civilian footage versus military footage and, and what that looks like and how, how good or how the task force and others are dismissing civilian you know credibility or your your video dan or my photograph whatever those might look like and i don't think where we're at that there is anything that could be submitted by a member of the public that could be taken that seriously because one what does real look like and if, if if you, Dan, go out tonight, you're outside your house, you're doing a bit of, you know, human-initiated contact, you know, James Iandoli's YouTube channel, Engaging the Phenomenon, you've been you've been reading up and you think, I fancy a little bit of CE5 tonight, as some may call it. You go out and huge black triangle comes right over 50 feet above your house. Very clear. You can see the lights on the corners, rounded edges. You pull out your smartphone, you film it. Really clear. You post that online, what percentage of people are going to believe that's real footage? Not many, I don't think. No. Not many at all. So does we, it, does we it recently looked at um, a case that I, I think is worth bringing up here, the, the one in uh, Cornwall with the the UAPO drone on the beach um, yeah. and that you know there's multiple angles looking at that, but we only have one angle and it's years later. So say, for example, you know, we submitted that to the UAPTF. There's no more information to be had on it. The investigation of it is 
pointless at this point you know like there's no more footage it's just single source it might be a drone had more work done been done at the time you know we might have figured it out but right now it's a single source of information and that would be the same case if i posted a video of that giant triangle over my house you know if, if it's that big all i'm gonna have is like a black video with a few lights in it right you know i, I almost need footage from me a sky hub a neighbor seeing the same thing, someone from another source far away seeing the same thing, and Radar all corroborating each other's story to go, look, all these guys saw something very, very real. Absolutely. And that that's where I'm at the point of, I will happily look at, and I'm getting loads of these just now, and I really appreciate it, people sending me videos and pictures, and what do you think of this? And I pass them on to people I know to check them out and give their thoughts, but it's so hard to say, because it, no matter... If it's ambiguous enough to be interesting, like a light in the sky moving and you hear some context, it's great to look at and I go into it with an open mind, but it's still really ambiguous. But on the other end of the scale, anything that looks too real will immediately be passed off as CGI. And that's where we're at. And that's why, again, just my opinion, people will disagree with this. That's why the the UAP task force and the way things are going about the last couple of years is so heavily focused on the military aspect of things because of the multiple data points they can get as well. That's that's just my thoughts on that. It does take me though, Dan, nicely into the, the Black Vault piece that dropped last night. John Greenwald put online that there was a, a bomb coming and a small hype machine there. People hate the hype, don't they, sometimes? But very quickly, posted an article He's done some great work. He is the FOIA, cat, the FOIA guy, the FOIA king. Um, and he posted uh, a piece he has found online that basically confirms the UAP task force uh, offered to, to brief NASA. And within that, there were some nice little tidbits of information that, that came out as part of that. My point being that we now have another source like NASA, as we heard Bill Nelson, NASA director, has an interest in UAP, has been briefed on these in the past. That's another really good source because if you can get data that an object is coming potentially from space, whichever distance they can track it, they catch it coming into orbit, uh, a Navy or Air Force equip piece of equipment picks it up coming from a height through the orbit, through the, the air, and then into the ocean where it's again picked up on sonar or underwater, whatever they pick up, that's a lot of data points that someone standing on the beach filming it won't get you know so that's that's why this is quite exciting for me it's something i just sort of assumed would be happening anyway but it's good to see that nasa are kind of coming on board more and more what were your thoughts on it dan i i'd mostly agree with you um yeah it's great to see nasa getting more involved because the amount of projects they have going up there is just insane um, you know, we've, we've got the James Webb telescope going up soon as well, and that's going to be incredible for exoplanet exploration. Um, and that, that might bring some really startling and, you know, earth shaking news to us as well. Um, so they, they've got a lot of instruments that they can apply to this problem, um, that would be super, super helpful. Um, the, the most interesting part of the article for me, um, is that not only does it mean, you, you know, before we could say, oh yeah, you know, the UAPTF said that they were, asking nasa for information now we can say there was an actual conversation and a briefing taking place and we've got the paperwork so people coming up behind us are no longer just listening to you know one letter or one line it's just more 
hard kind of data and more people on record, which is great. That's what we want. Um, but in amongst there, there was um, a gentleman called Mike Gold, um, who was former acting associate administrator for the Office of um, International and Interagency Relations. So this is a guy that's going to know how stovepiping works because he, you know, worked with all these different agencies. Um, and one of the little tidbits in the article said that prior to working with NASA, Gold worked for Bigelow Aerospace. Um, and it was for about 13 years. Well, it was 2003 yeah. to 2016, I believe, wasn't it? Like, yeah, that's right. Um, and John, John mentions that it's potentially just a coincidence. And yeah, that's true. It, it potentially is. But that name Bigelow gets around a lot in this subject. Um, and I'd be very surprised if Mike Gold hadn't picked up data from Bigelow or hadn't had bigger conversations about where this subject is going and where it could go. And also, as pointed out within the article as well, that would be the time frame where before ATIP we had OSAP and Bigelow was affiliated with OSAP. So there is a good chance there is a connection again there between the OSAP program before it was ATIP and, and Mike Gold having any sort of involvement within that or even just hearing bits about it so it, it makes me think of like you, you know how all these animated movies these days are made by people that were actually in the same class in caltech studying animation and it's like this incredibly serendipitous thing it, it makes me feel like bigelow aerospace and that whole beginning phase all those people have now kind of gotten into the the places they need to go to to start helping this conversation move forward in a very official manner yeah, like everyone, uh, to use one of my analogies, I like Dan, and to go with the animation theme, if you watch the early series of The Simpsons and you watch the end credits, you will see so many names of people who have gone on to make some of the best animated movies. Like Brad Bird is on there, uh, the Coens, and there's a whole load of people. Just watch the credits from the early years of The Simpsons and you will see some of the biggest and best producers, directors and whatnot who were just associated with that show. And for me, that's what it seems like now. We've got people like Bill Nelson, who in previous roles was read into the UAP program or briefings and, and has an interest, who is now working with NASA. And you've then got people who were at Bigelow who are now involved with NASA. And no doubt that's, that's spread throughout the government where these people who were private contractors have managed to move into these roles and probably vice versa as well, that we just don't get to see. And if these are people who have experience or exposure with, you know, the phenomenon, UAP, UFOs, whatever that might be, or that just that sort of technology, then it's a good place to have these people at that level, potentially. And, and I say potentially because I know there will be some people who, who see it as it's a conspiracy and you don't want these people involved. In. But do you know what? At the end of the day, it's still human beings it's still people, there has to be people involved, and it's, is it ever going to be the right people? So um, who knows? But it's, it's definitely an interesting placing uh, and manoeuvring within those halls of the government, Dan. Yeah, for sure. Um, last piece is uh, back to Jimmy Church to finish off. Now, James Fox, and I mentioned this at the start, and I'll mention it now, um, apparently that is what you should do. Something CBS missed out on, on 60 Minutes is not bringing it back to the subject if you've watched the Jimmy <laughs> Church interview. Um, he had a go at CBS a couple of times on it. So James Fox will be on the podcast next week. 
Um, he's put it off a couple of times. He's got a lot of things going on. And like I said, he's with his family this week and I just want to give him that time because he's a very busy guy. Um, I've got I've got Stephen Green Street tomorrow anyway for this week. Um, I've got a few shows being released over the coming days, including this one. Um, but yeah, James Fox hasn't done a lot recently. Um, I was selfishly looking forward to being the only podcast he appeared on for the for the from the recent time, but I'm happy to share the limelight with Jimmy Church when that when that happens next week. Um, and it was a good conversation. Uh, a few a few points to take away from it is that the obviously the phenomenon people have been looking forward to this exploding onto a platform like Netflix, and he did talk at length about how that was supposed to happen. And it was, what, a week or so before it was going to happen and be signed off and complications due to COVID kicked in and it just didn't happen, which is why we've not seen it land on Amazon Prime, Netflix or or Vimeo, major streaming platforms in a free way. Um, but it does seem that that will be happening sooner than later, that one of the big platforms is going to get it as well. So that's that's good. That's um, As he talked about, it's almost a second wave of the film will hit because you've got those people who didn't want to pay, who haven't streamed it via other means or methods as well, that will be then be exposed to it, because he knows there is a whole generation, particularly those of a younger age, who want content for free, because they can get it free, but they're happy to watch adverts on Amazon or Netflix or YouTube or whatever it might be to get that content. So that would be that would be pretty cool. It's a shame the phenomenon didn't have a theatrical release, he did mention if you're in Memphis uh, on the 28th of July and 3rd of August, there's going to be some limited screenings. Um, check out details for that um, through the phenomenon, because if you're there, that would be great. And also, Man, there's going I'd, to be a... I'd love to see that movie with a crowd of people that I knew had never touched this subject. Yeah, that, that would be cool. That would and just also, be, yeah. yeah. California as well, there's going to be a showing in California somewhere. So um, have a look at those if you're based out there or, or you want to fly there, you know good luck of you um but that would be cool to see it in a theater i would love to do something next year in the uk where i rented out a cinema hall somewhere and put the phenomenon on in a screening and just had people travel from the uk to watch it together i think that would be really cool i uh i know exactly what cinema i choose in london as well it would be the prince charles theater they do things like that they do kind of overnight stays and you, you know they do marvel marathons and they they like this kind of cinema in a little bit of a different way so hey let's send him an email yeah let's let's get the ball rolling on we'll see if that's a, that's an option and I'll, I'll talk to james fox about that as well endorsing it so maybe look out for that next year for a bit of a, a meetup folks but that would be pretty cool uh, what he did also mention is he is working on a sequel to the phenomenon and that is not the virginia a case uh, in brazil there's going to be two pieces he's working on just now one is the phenomenon sequel and one of them is the Brazilian case that we'll be talking about as well. Um, there was some other, there was another point I wanted to talk about, Dan. But was there anything you took away from the conversation you want to bring up first? Um, not a lot, to be honest. I mean, I always enjoy listening to James talk, but you know, I don't want to go into the Virginia case because it will spoil what James kind of has uh, planned for it. Um, there are plenty of YouTube documentaries if people want to kind of just chuck the name into that and, and have a little primer. Um, but I must have missed the part about the phenomena too, so I wanted to ask you more about that. He didn't say much more than he is he is planning the sequel, a direct sequel to the movie, uh, to the initial documentary. So, okay, um, that's cool because a lot has happened since the end of that. 
well, that's probably going to form the, the chunk of my interview with him now next week. And it's, uh, I suppose that's a good thing. Again, Ross Coulter, I should be speaking to in the next seven to ten days. And it's one thing getting the first interview. Um, but when you have had the chance to hear the same person talk on three, four or five, if you put the work in, which we've done this in the past, Dan, and Dan helps me regularly with some of the questioning and line of questioning and we talk things through, you can get more out of it as well because there are certain things dropped on other interviews that aren't picked up on. So that'll be the plan when I speak to, to James next week. They did talk about um, potential videos filmed of landings at different Air Force bases in the past. That was an interesting chat. I know it's not necessarily new or groundbreaking, but there was there was some good talk on that as well. Uh, they did mention the documentary from the 90s, I believe, that UFOs past, present and future. Is that the name of it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think on the Discord I was mentioning, if you're a Patreon, you can sign up to the, the Discord chat, which is a fun place. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a watch along at some point in the next week where we just stick it on and jump in the chat as well. So that could be pretty cool to watch along with that. But that's always an interesting one when you hear about these these types of footage because it sounds like he really did try to hunt down the video of this craft landing on the air, airfield, um, which they also state was was known it was going to happen because they had a tripod set up so it was they were ready to film there was three craft in the air one of them came down and you'll appreciate this dan the description of how it came down because i know you like that detail which is regularly missed by a lot of people but you pick up on these things but you're very detail orientated when it comes to motion and what exactly something was like and that's something for another time i think we'll talk about but the, the craft itself came down, he said, like a leaf, where it's, and you hear about them being unstable. Bob Lazar's talked about that, that the, some of these craft, as they're slowing down or in our atmosphere, they come down slowly. And Lads, you just gave well, me chills. I must have missed that bit. I've, I've been catching up on so much today that, that no, like, no, no. I remember the conversation they had about having the tripod set up ready and thinking, okay, cool, you must have had them on radar then, and you must have maybe seen them a few times in the days prior and things like that. Um, but that leaf description just gave me chills. And yes, like you say, we, we can talk about that. it at another time at length, but not too long ago, I, I had an experience where I described the movement exactly as a, as a falling leaf on the wind. Yeah, so that, that was really cool when he mentioned that and that the object came down, it then stopped, landing gear came down, which is always an interesting one because you just have sci-fi movies in your head now. A door with no seams opened up and staircase came out two beings came out flanked the staircase a third being came down with um they said like gaps for eyes i think it was like elongated eyes large nose and basically there was a a meeting and afterwards those involved passed on to other air bases that if this happens at your air base then please uh conform and and speak to the speak to the, the beings as well so um there was then a lot of talk around that and trying to get the footage and, and other air bases that may or may not have happened at, which people were a little aloof with, uh, as you would imagine, in the military. But it was a pretty interesting talk, and I would recommend if you haven't heard it, it's about two hours of the show, if not a little bit more. But um, James Fox on Fade to Black from the 21st of July, it would be when you, when you listen to this. So please, please go and check that out. But I'll be speaking to James Fox next week. I've already got a ton of questions in for it. 
Um, I'll have a limited amount of time. It's been kept to, to Patreon only for, for questions, just because that's a benefit of being signed up to that. Um, usually I open it up to, to everyone, but just with the sheer volume of questions I've got through, it's going to be hard to even get half of the ones I've got um, already in, which is interesting. So, so yeah, it seems in the, the lull of a few weeks where not much has happened, things have picked up a little bit. Dan, anything on your radar you're kind of keeping an eye out on coming up or anything you're working on you can talk about? So um, three things for me. Uh, I think last time we spoke about a whale documentary I'd seen um, called Fathom, where they were talking about the way whales communicate and, and kind of see sound uh, in the depths. Um, and another one has cropped up this week uh, called 52 Hertz, which is about a whale who produces a sound that no other whale can hear. So I felt like that was a bit of a one-two, so I wanted to recommend that. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio narrates, if if, uh, people like the the tones of his voice. Um, There there was a cool video on PBS FaceTime on YouTube this week about how magnetism works um, that might sound very basic to people, but about halfway through, it kind of collapses into this discussion about many worlds and quantum uh, stuffs quantum mechanics so and and it kind of ends with the the presenter saying that if this kind of thing bores you to watch loki because he sees loki as a really good uh, explanation of of the many worlds theory um and i i loved loki for that as well so so i wanted to just say that to people even if marvel isn't your thing just watch it it explores some really really cool ideas and gives us ways to talk about some of these things um james iandoli as well um did an interview with andrew bustamante who is an ex-cia operative and i thought that was a really really interesting interview because andrew talks about things through his experience and one of the interesting points in it was that james asked him what he thinks of this kind of slow rollout of information and andrew basically said well you know if if he was still working today then it would be exactly the kind of plan he would go for to kind of dribble out this information slowly and let people get so accustomed to it that by the time they drop you know what would be a big bomb um actually people are kind of over it already Awesome. Um, yeah, a couple of shows. Uh, again, I mentioned Jimmy Church has Travis Walton on on Monday. That'll be interesting to hear him not just talk about the experience that we've all heard many, many times, but what's been going on recently with that. Uh, Ryan Sprague has his interview with Ross Coulthart in the coming days. Keep an eye out for that one as well, folks. And uh, just a final note from myself, a little shout out to uh, Luis Jimenez, Unidentified Celebrity Review. His partner, uh, he, you might have seen, had a bit of a, an accident recently and uh, you know, came out of it a little bit rough. So just uh, sending our thoughts over to, to those guys and obviously his partner, Michelle, and hoping for a speedy recovery yeah, over there too. Lots of love to those guys. That must have been a very uh, scary experience and I bet it was stressful for Louise too. So I, I hope they're going to take a holiday when she's all healed up. Absolutely, a well-deserved one too. Uh, folks, don't forget, if you want to get involved in the Discord chat, if you're looking for a little bit of merchandise from us too, uh, check out patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast. A lot of good stuff coming out. We're going to record in the coming days the review of Futurama episode one, and we're going to be looking at reviewing the Futurama episodes going forward. Uh, that will be available to everyone for the first episode. There, thereafter, it'll go onto the premium services on Patreon 
and Apple Podcasts. And if you sign up on Apple Podcast subscriptions, you can still get a two-week free trial on that as well. And then you get early access and ad-free listening afterwards. So if you can support the podcast in those ways, then please consider it. It's very much appreciated. Um, otherwise, like we say, folks, Stephen Green Street up next on the interview front. And we've got the Futurama Review podcast in the coming days too. So lots to look forward to, plenty keeping us busy. And as always, keep looking up. Never know what you might see. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more How it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. And I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. And I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And they think I should because it doesn't really scare me. If you really want-